Hello and welcome to the Audio Epics podcast. I feel like I always sound exactly the same when I say that opening line. But here we are with a new episode. It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, um, we promised a while ago that we would be releasing these storytelling uh, podcast episodes in which Aline and I talk about various aspects of storytelling. And now finally, um, we're ready to present our first one and I hope you will enjoy it. It's just me and my wife talking about uh, some aspects of storytelling, particularly um, when it pertains to fantasy. And we're just sharing our ideas and our views and also trying to sort of relate it to our own um, audio epic stories. You know, just two people uh, with a certain take on things, just sharing that. And um, you might agree, you might disagree. And um, we'd be very interested either way in what you think. You know, we call ourselves audio epics, so obviously we're interested in epic storytelling. And um, recently, a sort of realization came to me um, that to have an epic story, the feel of an epic story, you don't really need um, for it to be super, super long. This is something that came to me when I reread The Hobbit recently. Um, you know, it's it's not a very long book. It's about exactly. three hundred something pages, and um, and when I came to the end of it, I had this feeling of wow, I've really gone on this big journey with Bilbo. You know, you really have this feel that you know he started out at this little Hobbit. Yeah, right. I mean, very, very you know uh, homely and comfortable and. And then he goes through this massive, life-changing, character-changing journey. Sees all these different places. Gets involved in in, in a war. And at the end, it's like, wow, we've been through a lot together. And that's the epic feel, I think. Similarly, um, I think something similar happens in uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, you know, Tolkien's good friend. These stories, you know, they're very short. They're very short books. You can read them in an afternoon, maybe. Yeah. But so much happens in them. And you go along this this ride full of, you know, strange creatures and countries and kings and princesses. And it feels epic. And it, you know... Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like it drags... Exactly. ...in any way. Uh, it's also because every story is a separate... A separate story. It, it always has a sense of conclusion, even though it's a very long mm-hmm. series. I have a, a similar experience, by the way, with uh, while I was listening to Dane uh, Russell Leonardson's Ancestry, which was actually a very short uh, audio book, uh, well, audio drama actually. But uh, I felt like I I had read this thousand-page-long book afterwards. That was amazing. Yeah. That was really an eye-opener that you, you can actually make a very epic story in, in a short time and make it feel like that, too. Yeah, that, that's actually a, a good segue in, into this next bit. Um, I know that Dane is, um, is a very big fan of um, Brandon Sanderson, uh, the epic fantasy writer. Um, and when you listen to Ancestry, you can definitely feel that there's a... Um, a Brandon Sanderson vibe to it. He's got similar sort of, similar sort of 
world building and characterizations. But what I like actually is uh, in Ancestry, Dane managed to convey that in a mere two and a half hours, where mm -hmm. Sanderson takes thousands and thousands <laughs> of pages to do that. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed uh, Brandon Sanderson's books as well. I started reading uh, The Way of Kings back shortly after it came out. I thought it was a, an amazing book at the time. Um, I really loved the epic world-building feel of it all. Um, and I also enjoyed the next one, but very much. But by the time I came to the third one, um, a certain s sense of fatigue set in because I knew, okay, so we're at page 3000 or something now, and we know that there's going to be at least two more volumes to conclude oh. this story. And, um, and in, in the meantime, there were all these long scenes of, you know, when not much happens that it's sort of just right. little little scenes that sort of sketch a character sort of flesh out a character but you know that don't really contribute to to the main plot yeah i get it um, i love sanderson but the only thing i ever finished from him was the the ya uh, trilogy reckoners right which was the superhero awesome, story actually yeah. yeah it was it was ya but it was it was different in a way, because it was about superheroes. I really enjoyed it. But the other uh, epic Brennan Sanderson volumes, I just couldn't finish them. Also because I heard it was uh, the, the Way of Kings, I thought it was an awesome beginning. I really wanted to know the ending. But when you hear it, it's, it's at least five volumes. <laughs> Nowadays, there's so little time for good entertainment. Mm -hmm. And you're not quite sure whether he will make your yeah whether, whether he will make it worthwhile yeah. i think it 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 demands yeah. so much attention from you the reader that you know what story really warrants that i mean exactly how can you how can you justify that to the reader i, I think that's hard the same thing happened with robert jordan i think that's the extreme example mm -hmm. the wheel of time which is 14 volumes, and each book is at least 800 pages. Um, so it's ridiculously long, and it's yeah. one com one big story with the same set of characters taking most, place over, I don't know. Most fans say it drags in the middle, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, not surprisingly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I, I love the epic feel, but there's a, there's, there comes a point when, when it just becomes when there's just too much stuff. Annoying. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not annoying because it's too epic. It's annoying because precisely because it's so long, the epicness sort of is lost, I think. Yeah. Because there are so many scenes of people just sitting in a room and talking about politics um, that, you know, that the, the epic feel sort of gets lost in that. Right. I think there's a, a good reason why a lot of uh, epic fantasy stories are trilogies. A book, uh, an, an epic book series, I think a trilogy always works. Mm. You can, you can, you have, you have uh, 
other examples, of course, you have Harry Potter, but still each separate book is is also a separate story. It concludes. Yeah, and that that's a different. I think. Yeah, I think uh, J.K. Rowling sort of followed C.S. Lewis's example there with the seven books, and each book is its own story. But there's also an overarching uh, narrative there. But it's kind of invisible until you get to the end. Right. And you also have this great build-up from this little boy who mm-hmm. becomes a man. And each story gets more dark. And, yeah. And each story is, is its own story. But together they are the story of Harry Potter. Right. At the same way in Narnia, each story is its own story. But together it's the history of Narnia. And that's why nobody was apparently interested in the sequel to Harry Potter, which was actually just uh, part one of some play, some script. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, there's the Fantastic Beasts uh, series now, which seems to be yeah, relatively that's, that's successful. Yeah, that's another thing. I think it's uh, it's interesting to have a trilogy, and then you can still. Go nuts with, uh, with spin-offs. Spin-offs, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, why not? And but it it's it's a kind of modesty, I think, from an author to to write just a trilogy, and then preferably uh, that the first part is just a separate story mm-hmm. that that has a conclusion to it, because yes. then that way uh, I think the audience decides for itself whether they want to spend lots of hours of their life mm-hmm. um, invested in your story. So if you just have a trilogy and you have a separate first story, you don't oblige people to stay invested. If they mm. just say, after one book, uh, I'm done, it was nice, but I quit here, then you kind of Yeah, give I've them had the that choice. experience many times, yeah. I, yeah. I've had that experience many times that I really enjoy the first book, but then I feel like, okay, but that's enough for me. And then when you feel like there are so many unanswered questions, uh, right? yeah, that's, yeah you, you, that's less enjoyable then. I really like it if an, if an author gives you the choice. Here is a book and there's more if you want, but if you don't want it, that's fine too. Yeah. If you write this epic series and you say it's going to be 14 books, but it's going to be so worth it because <laughs> I believe in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. And, um, and you, you, have to, um, you have to put every other book you ever wanted to read, just put it away for some time <laughs> yeah. because here's my next book. There, there is so much stuff to read. Exactly. I don't think any author can ask of that kind of no, investment. Th- I know there are there are people who just who read voraciously and who read very quickly, and for them it's less of an issue. But for me, I'm not that fast of a reader. Um, me neither. <laughs> you know, because I have this tendency with every sentence that I read, I think about it and I try to imagine exactly what what the author is trying to describe here. And you know, I always take a lot of time. Um, yeah, I never get fans invested in a very long series and I really want to know at what point the series is going to end. I mm. really want to know beforehand yeah. how many books are there, Yes. When is, when is it going to be finished and does the author know <laughs> where his story ends? Yes. And does he have an, an, an idea? Uh, what the endings is going to be because if they keep dragging along and they have no idea themselves yeah. what their story is going to end then 
that yeah, there's that's, a very I, fair chance. I you're feel going to be I kind of feel sorry for fans of um, of um, J- uh, George R. R. Martin's series Song of Ice and Fire because it looked I, I, right now it looks like he's not going to get finished with this. And um, I mean, if you've invested in this series, if you started reading it all these years ago, because the first book came out in what 1995, <laughs> I mean. It's so disappointing if, if you don't even get to the end. I do have to say, I I don't want to give the impression that we don't like long stories. I, for one, do like long stories. Um, I mean, I'm a huge Tolkien fan. And he, when he, he said that with The Lord of the Rings, his intention was just to write a stupendously long story. Now, um, by the uh, standards of 1955, it is a stupendously long story, um, but by today's epic fantasy standards, it's actually not very long. I think Lord of the Rings is the perfect length, and right. if you go much over that, you start getting into trouble. I, I, I don't know, it's a theory, I don't know if that's correct, but the, the, the problem that I see is not just that stories become too long and therefore, you know, they start to drag a bit, there are all kinds of narrative problems that creep up. Yeah, like too many characters to get invested in, too many plot lines that you all have to resolve in a way. Yeah. Which was not the case in Lost, for example. Yeah, how can you resolve all of those plot lines? Yeah, that that became a very big disappointment. disappointment. I, I, I remember watching the first episode of Lost and I absolutely loved it. I loved the characters. Mm-hmm. And then in the, the second season, there was this bunch of other characters mm-hmm. <laughs> that were added and then it kind of went in all kinds of directions. There were mm-hmm. very promising plot lines that were just cut mm-hmm. in midair. There were, they did nothing with it anymore. And uh, then characters becoming evil and becoming good again and dying yes. and resurrecting again. And it was just one big it was a mess. mess. <laughs> no, yeah, Lost is an extreme example of that, I guess. You have... A, you have character arcs in storytelling, right? Like, mm-hmm. I like the way they handled... For example, if you look at Star Wars and the original trilogy, and you take the character of Han Solo, um, he's got this character arc. He starts out as this selfish sort of scoundrel, and then he learns to, you know, to care about others, and in the end, he becomes a real hero. And that's a nice character arc over three movies. Now, when they started making the sequels, uh, you know, with The Force Awakens, etc., you know, um, you have a problem. Where, where are you going to take Han Solo next? And so what they did, they, ju- they just reset the whole character and brought him back to being a scoundrel. Oh, I hate when and they do that. <laughs> that to me is very disappointing. So wh- wh- what's the point of the story? You know, They often do that, you know, in, in a, especially American series suffer from that, that they, they use these lame devices. Uh, for example, in Smallville, which was a, uh, an awesome series, I thought, uh, which tells the story about the birth of Superman and then his journey towards mm-hmm. the moment he becomes Superman um, with the suit and all, and you really look forward to that. And they could have done it in a, a couple of seasons, but they really drag it along and along, and it gives all these kind of narrative problems. For example, um, when you think Jonathan dies, you think this is the moment, and you, you're invested in that, and you're sad, 
mm-hmm. and then it turns out uh, he didn't die. This was not the moment, and then they <laughs> yeah. pick another right. moment when he yeah. when he actually does die, and you don't care anymore. Yeah, because exactly. you were invested in the first moment. Also, there are all these kind of um, characters from Krypton. They come down on planet Earth, and they they can suddenly manage all these powers. Mm-hmm. While Superman has actually, um, he needed a lot of time to control yeah. them, <laughs> and it kind of ultimately it makes Superman feel like sort of the, sort of the the, the sort of pathetic yeah uh, the guy. one who needed <laughs> yeah. a lot of yeah so the the least capable guy from Krypton <laughs> in a way it feels like they <laughs> they sent the loser to Earth <laughs> yeah. to be Superman. Yeah, um, from zero to hero. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like that. that's that's a narrative arc in its own way, but yeah, I know what you mean. And they had this entire Lana build up, but you know, eventually he's going to end up with Lewis Lane, and yeah. it, when, it takes such a long way. Every time you think, "Oh, this is an iconic moment I recognize from the story because you know the lore," then they take it away again because otherwise it. You would move on too fast, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. Just I guess in Smallville, the big up, the big build up, what, what the whole series was building up to was the moment when you see Clark Kent in his Superman outfit. Yeah, that's flying what, through the sky. That's that's what you want to see. But they took ten seasons to do that. Yeah, <laughs> which was way and too that's, long. You, no, no kind of payoff. Is worth that kind of build-up. But still, you you keep watching because <laughs> you really want to see that moment. You want that yeah, payoff, right? Yeah, exactly. And you turn up, uh, you turn out a bit disappointed in the end. Yeah, I, I guess like, it's. Oh wow! I've had this big epic moment now, and 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 he's in his suit and he flies through the sky and end credits. And yeah, and, and, and I, I remember, I remember when I saw that and I got this sinking feeling of why did I spend so many hours on this for this one second (laughs) of flying through the sky (laughs) i felt a bit calmed really i mean sorry for uh, smallville fans (laughs) but uh that's my experience with that particular series i still i still enjoyed the series it's just yeah afterwards you kind of feel calm indeed in a way because that's they kind of take advantage of the fact that you Mm -hmm. really want to see that ending yeah and and to me i guess to come full circle when i uh read uh reread the hobbit and the, the narnia books i i had this almost like an epiphany that everything's here all, all i mean all everything you would want from a story is here and it doesn't need thousands of pages i mean you could have a story in, in a thousand pages and and be and, and have it be amazing obviously sure but it's not necessary to get the epic feel to to for it to be extremely ridiculously long and i guess that there is such a thing as a story becoming too long uh, right. for its own good i always admire people who want to uh, read entire fantasy series that that are super long but i just when I see something is more than a trilogy, I just I I don't start. <laughs> well, um, I get, for me a, a good example of one that really did work for me was uh, Raymond E. Feist's uh, series. 
the Rift War saga. The first book, Magician, um, is one book and it feels very epic. I know that afterwards he continued trilogy after trilogy, um, all within the same world, but not necessarily about the same main characters. But I think that works because um, at any point you can quit reading and you don't feel like, oh, what was the point of it all? Mm, right. uh, you've had these completed stories that were all good. And, and when you have something like The Wheel of Time, where each book builds on the, the one before it and, and continues the, the story and, and, and it's supposed to, you know, the, qu the big questions still aren't answered until at the very end, then you get tired. <laughs> You just get very, very tired. <laughs> yeah, I admire people who have finished the series. I, I just couldn't do that. No, I couldn't anymore either. I quit uh, Wheel of Time uh, somewhere uh, in book five, which I thought was... I thought that was quite an achievement for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean, and then there are people who get all the way to book 14. Really, that's wow. <laughs> amazing. But I don't have that kind of patience. And so, in our own uh, stories, we don't want to demand that kind of patience from our listeners either. So, um, with Witch Hunter, I hope uh, people had a sort of feeling of, okay, this was a, a good story and it's completed and I, and I enjoyed it, but I would like another one. And so, what I hope to do with uh, Word of Wolfen is is do that again, um, you know, have it be a, a good epic story in its own right, and then, you know, you can be satisfied with that, yeah. and if you want, you there's more. With you know? some kind of conclusion, yeah. To, yeah, and then make it into maximum a trilogy. Yeah, and, and I, I really wouldn't take it beyond that. I mean, I, there could be more spin-offs like Beast of the Western Wilds, because I think that's different, it's more like... I guess we could talk about the X-Files. Um, yeah. You had the episodes that were just about, there's a, there's this strange creature, let's find out what it yeah, is. Yeah, the Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah. yeah, and those were always my favorites. Yeah, and then you had the anthology episodes, which were more like a uh, big story arc. Right. And about the tension between, the friendship between... Uh, yeah. Scully and and, and, and uh, to me, those mythology episodes always felt less satisfying because they always left you with lots and lots of questions um true there's always it yeah. was also a very long series yeah. as well yeah and and it it, nine seasons i don't know i don't remember it was oh, a lot we, we finished it right? we did yeah we actually did finish <laughs> at some point x files but the the monster of the week episodes you could have as many of them as you want there's no problem because you 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 don't really have a narrative arc with Mulder and Scully there. Right. They're always the same. You you like them that way. You don't want them to change. You don't need them to change. Um, and that's kind of the idea. Um, well, an, an inspiration for uh, future witch hunter stories. That the Beast of the Western Wilds might be a kind of horror episode. Um, what they did in the X Files was they had. All these kind of genres that they put mm -hmm. into the Monster of the Week episode. You had the, the horror episode, you had a romantic episode, you had a nostalgic episode, you even had a, you even had a comedy episode. and then, um, A romantic episode? 
more meta episode. Uh, right, the postmodern post episode. Yeah, <laughs> post-modern there were a episode. few of those. Uh, so you had all all kinds of yeah, different, very very different episodes. Uh, sometimes even inspired uh, by an old movie or yeah. uh, an entire subgenre. Now, as as for Witch Hunter, um, it would all, I would always keep it within the same um, genre. Yeah, of course. Um, but there might be all kinds of different places that Ludlow goes to. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I'm very much inspired by places and atmospheres. So that we had this forest adventure mm-hmm. with the beast. You know, there could be more of a dungeon adventure or a city adventure or, you know, I don't know, a, a winter episode. Um, yeah, we, we've had our share of forests, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> we like forests. Uh, so, um, Eileen is working on um, on an audio drama script right now. It's almost finished. I know I've been saying this for months, but it actually has been almost finished for months. But uh, <laughs> it's because I'm a, a, an awful perfectionist. And yeah, it's also because you know, always, our lives are very busy. <laughs> I always say it's not finished, and Lumine says, "Yeah, it is." <laughs> but I don't know about that. Um, I haven't read it yet. So. <laughs> but. Anyway, it really is nearly finished, the script, um, and it takes place in a forest. <laughs> Just like Will of the Woods took place in a forest, and Beast of Western Wilds took place in a forest. And uh, yeah, we like forests. Yeah, because... Forests are cool. Forests are cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's the main reason. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there will be more forests in the future, no doubt. I, part yeah, of that... People annoyed by forests they will be disappointed. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid so. Yeah. Part of that is, I think, uh, in audio, um, uh, the woods are a very a very cool place to set an audio drama in. Um, there are all these sounds, you know. The woods are full of subtle little sounds in the background. I really like that. Yeah, but there will be different woods, right? Yeah, and at one point, I, this is something for, for, for Ludlov maybe, I'd like to have a, a seafaring adventure, also, something uh, something piratey. You, know, you, you could put Ludlov in a in a piratey context. Yeah, uh, we, we've uh, sort of treasure been island brainstorming about yeah. a couple of spin-offs still. Yeah. Who knows? But first, um, I want to sort of continue the the main arc of Ludlov's character, and I do have I do have an end point for him in sight. I do know where it's supposed to go. So. Um, yeah, is there anything more you would like to say uh, about storytelling and lengths of episodes? Well, maybe that we don't want to have a very, very long first episode of our <laughs> storytelling podcast. Maybe. It's it's 30 minutes, I think it's just right. All right, then let's not drag it for our listeners. Okay, <laughs> that was our episode for today. So um, before you go and before I go, Uh, I'd like to know, what do you think? Um, Do you agree or disagree with what we've been saying? What do you think are some examples of uh, long stories done well or uh, long stories uh, done not so well? Um, You know, we're interested in uh, in your opinion in the comment section of our YouTube video or or on our podcasts, or you can email us. We're, We're interested in what you have to say. And also, um, do you like this um, storytelling podcast 
concept of ours. Tell us what you think. And then, all I can say now is, this is Domine, signing off. <laughs>